I would, um, it's the third message in a series of messages called or titled Hope Beyond the Temporal. Hope Beyond the Temporal. And I believe that the Lord moved on my heart to share this message because I think God is not so pleased with so many of us who act as though we don't have an expectation of God. We conduct our lives like we don't have the expectation that God is coming through for us. We say it with our lips, but so often our hearts are far from that truth. And the reason we say that our hearts are far from that truth is because of what we do. What we do. So uh, I just want to uh, just say to, to all of us today that there is hope beyond the temporary. There is hope beyond what I see. There's, much, there's hope beyond that. And all of the believers uh, of the past, those who had faith, saw something. And I want to share that. When we talk about the temporal, we're talking about uh, those things that pertain to or concern with this present life. We are, we're so involved in making sure or securing our place in this present world, this present life, that we forget the eternal. When I was a boy, we talked about the eternal, or they talked about the eternal. Um, I heard my mother and my father, my grandparents. I saw my uncles, my aunts. I, it, you couldn't go to church with, without somebody talking about the eternal. You heard it in their testimonies. It was always the eternal. So they did not put all of their hope in the present life. But we have lost that because I guess life is just so good, especially in the Western world. It's just so good. Uh, we, when we talk about the temporal, we're talking about, as it were, this world, this world system. We're, we're talking about um, something that is transitory, something that's passing through. And we talk about the temporal as it, as it opposes eternity, is the opposite of eternity. And sometimes we, we think about it in a worldly sense. It's a worldly uh, a thought, the temporal, something worldly. I, I've said several times now that we seem to think that worldliness is, you know, you go to the bars, you know, you cuss, you, you get drunk and or you promiscuous, we think of that, oh, that's worldly. But worldliness means anything that you do that is of this world system. That's worldliness. When you have thoughts that are not God's thoughts, you do things on your own, you have philosophies rather than the, the, the scriptures, that's worldly. Now, let's look at it because the scriptures in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27 the Bible gives us some uh, clarity on how we are to comport ourselves, how we're to live in this present world. I've, I've heard people say, you can't be a Christian and a businessman. That's absolutely absurd. You can't be a Christian and a lawyer. What? You know, you know, no, you have to lay your, your, your religion down when you get out there. What? That's absolutely absurd. So the scripture teaches us, the scriptures teach us rather, how to live 
looking beyond the temporal or having hope, having an expectation of God beyond this present world, having a, an expectation of God, not having the view of, well, you can't live for God when you're young, so you have to wait till you're old. I've heard things like that. I'm not making these up. I've heard things like that. Oh, man, I remember when, when I uh, repented of my, my silliness and craziness and came back to the Lord with, with bitter tears. A, a man who was a steward in the church came to talk to me because I was radical. I wasn't crazy. I was just radically in love with Jesus and was so glad that he had forgiven me for my craziness. And I was living, and, and I was trying to do everything for Jesus. And he said, young man, you're young. You got time for the other. No, I don't have time for the other, and neither do you. In Hebrews eleven twenty-seven, the Bible talks about what Moses did. It says, by faith he forsook, he forsook Egypt. By, by faith he left Egypt, his powerful position. He left the house of Pharaoh. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, not being afraid, not being afraid of, of being the only one doing right. He says, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So he had his eyes, or as it were, his singular eye on someone else. He had his eye on God. He says, he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He was steadfast and strong in his belief because his eyes were not on this present world. We, say, we sing this song as a stanza in the song, one of the songs we sing, I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. I believe in you. And so I, we must refocus if we are going to please God, if we're going to really exhibit and exemplify hope beyond this passing transitory world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 9 through 13, Paul is saying, for I think, and this is so powerful, he's not saying I think as in doubt, but he is telling us what his thoughts are. For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last, as men condemned to death. I, when I read that, I thought, wow, so how do you, how do you keep your focus when you are uh, condemned, as it were, to death? You have a, a life that is very difficult, hard, and arduous. He says, I think God has displayed us, the apostles, last. It's not like modern apostles. Modern apostles aren't last. They're first. You know, they've got the best of everything. You know, I, I, I know people call me, uh, oh, Apostle Donna. So, well, God has, hasn't called me anything beyond pastor yet. You know, but, but my point is, I want to live just like you. I don't want to live just so high that people think, oh, he must be a king. These apostles were last. They were men, what, condemned to death. So what God is showing you, how did they continue in, in their ministry? Condemned to death, that means like all kinds of difficulties befell them. We'll talk about them in a moment. He says, for we have been made a spectacle to the world. What? You're, you're this apostle of Jesus Christ, a sent one of the Son of God, and you condemned to death? A spectacle to the world? The world said, look at those crazy people. Wow, they are the perishing ones and we are the imperishable. Now listen, hallelujah, I'll go with you. We are a spectacle 
to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake. You know, radically saved. We are fools for Christ. When you're radically saved, everybody say, man, you need to calm down, man. What? Calm down so I don't show how badly you're behaving? You want me to calm down so we lower the standard? No. We are fools for Christ's sake. But you are wise in Christ. Now, Paul is kind of rebuking the Corinthians, but I get the import of this. We are weak, but you're strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. These are the apostles of the Lord Jesus says we are dishonored. It, it makes you feel terrible when people dishonor you. Yeah. It, 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 makes you, it doesn't make you feel like, oh, you want to go home and have lunch with them. You're dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst. These are sent ones. Well, God, why didn't you just give? Everybody knows you want us to have a really wonderful life. You, you, you can feed your people, can't you? We hunger and thirst. Not only that, and are poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. <laughs> Jesus is sent ones. Uh, they hunger and thirst. God doesn't just say, oh, I'm going to make it easy for you. They, they, hunger, they hungered and they thirsted. And we, he said, we are poorly clothed. Remember in Paul's letter to Timothy, I believe it was, he said, send me the parchments and, by the way, send me the cloak that I left. Like, you don't have two? You're a sent one of God. You're an apostle. In heaven, there are, are levels of the, of the city made, uh, named that for you. Yeah. You see, God has a purpose in it all. God has a purpose in it all. No, I'm not preaching, you know, you know blessed poverty. But let's, let's talk about this. Because these men, though they appear to be poor, are very rich. Listen, beaten and homeless. I haven't in, in the 20th or 21st century seen a homeless apostle yet. We labor and we labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being talked about, being lied on, we bless. We don't give it to you back. Being persecuted, we endure. So they remain steadfast, they remain strong through it all. And this is God's purpose. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world, the off-scouring of all things until now. And off-scouring, it's almost like... like Bath water. You know, how would you like to have a drink of that? How would you like to even jump in and bathe? He said, this is what we're like. And Lamentations says, uh, Lamentations 3.45 says, you have been made, you have made rather us an offscouring and refuse in the midst of the peoples. And what God is, God is showing us something here. This is what, how did these people endure? How did they maintain how do they keep their expectation? They didn't have all the cushy life that we enjoy. And I'm not against it. I love climate control. You know, I, I love climate control. It feels great in here to me. And maybe some, maybe some of you are hot, but I'm feeling great. Yeah, I like, I like soft seats. I grew up sitting on one by four lumber at the church. Had welts on my legs when I got out of church. But I, I like that. That's, I'm not saying let's 
make it hard on ourselves. I'm saying let's endure the hardness, whatever God allows or whatever God brings our way, because there's a purpose in it. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16, Paul says, we do not lose heart. Can you imagine what? You don't do what? Lose heart? When you're, you're an apostle of Jesus Christ and it's like you're on display as condemned to death, fools, made a spectacle of, weak, dishonored, Hunger, experiencing hunger and thirst. You're, you're the messenger of the God of the universe and you are poorly clothed and beaten, homeless, laboring with your own hands. In Paul's case, building tents, working so that he's not uh, a burden to anybody. Persecuted. Defamed. The, the offscouring of the world, of men. The offscouring that made the filth of the world. The offscouring, he says, of all things. Now listen, he's, and then he says in 2 Corinthians 4.16, we do not lose heart. You don't lose heart. How many of us have lost heart? How many of us are saying things like, the world is crazy, I said. What's happening to our country? I said, but not with the same sense. I don't say it because I want to keep my advantages. I say it because I want an opportunity to preach the gospel. I don't say it because I want to always be at the pinnacle of the nation's. I don't say it because God has done something in my heart to give me an expectation beyond this world. We, we are too focused on the world around us. Somebody would say to me, and don't try to correct me, somebody will say to me, well, we're supposed to. That's the, that's the short version of it. Sure, we're supposed to be concerned about, about others. Sure, we're to be concerned. We wear masks in here, not because we're fearful, but because we're concerned about people. Yeah, we put in a, a, a special air conditioning uh, or enhanced our air conditioning system because we care about people. We go to the nations because we care about people. We put our lives in danger when we go there because we love people. I've been told, Pastor, you got to use wisdom. What do you mean you got to use wisdom? We all, it, the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God are diametrically opposed. We are using wisdom. It is wisdom to obey the Lord, even under these difficulties. Paul says we don't lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, even though our outward man is perishing, we don't lose heart because the inward man is being renewed day by day. And then Paul goes on to say, for our light affliction. Light affliction? You just told me you're condemned to death. You just told me that you are homeless, that you're fools for Christ's sake. You said you're dishonored. You said you're poorly clothed. You don't have enough food all the time. You're food deprived, as they would say. You're reviled. You're talked about ugly. He says, 
He said, no, no, man. It's the light affliction. Because he is weighing what we should endure here. Now, don't go out and try to make yourself poor. <laughs> go out here and just, you know, pick a fight so you can get punched and say, I've endured. <laughs> I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that Paul is, is, is measuring this against eternity. He is saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is for our light affliction, which is but for what? A moment. Can you just watch with me one hour, Peter, James, John? Can you just, Jesus' words in Gethsemane, can you, can, can you just watch with me one hour? Paul's, Paul is saying, can you just handle your difficulty for a moment? You need perfect situations? You need perfect circumstances? It's but for a moment. But he says, this light affliction, all the beatings they took, light afflictions, but for a moment. Now listen, they're working for us. Paul says, they're working for us. What are they working? When you go through things, let me, let me just, just kind of uh, regress a moment. Uh, when, when I was younger, in, in my 20s, I think 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, I'll stop there. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was insulted. But sometimes, you know, I, I could say something back. Not all the time, but sometimes I said something back. And a lot of times I had to repent. And the Lord said, you go and ask for forgiveness. And, man, I hated doing that. So I stopped saying something back. <laughs> you know, you know. But I could handle difficulty pretty much, uh, or I could handle good things. I could handle good things. If you said something really wonderful about me, I, would, I, would, I could accept that. <laughs> you said something nice, I could accept that. But I didn't like wrong stuff. I didn't like people trying to put me down, you know, that, those things. I didn't, I didn't like that kind of stuff. But the longer I have lived, and then this last year, the Lord has really dealt with me. He said, I want you to be able to handle both insult and injury. I could handle the insult, but if you're going to injure me on top of it, I, I, wait a minute, we have to talk. You know what I'm saying? And so, but I, I pondered insult and injury, insult and injury. And now, this year, he's made it so clear. I've been, it's not like I just woke up like Rip Van Winkle or something. I, I, it's not like that. It's like I was learning degrees. By degrees, by degrees. And then, and I realized, oh, oh, wait a minute. You want me to have the same response to the distasteful, ugly statements that people make as I have to the praise. Oh, oh, okay. I got it. So now well, I've learned something because he, he's saying, wait a minute, son. Son, it's not just the praise that's working for you. It's all the difficulty. It's when you stand for me, when, when you everything in you that's outside of me <laughs> wants to say something and you don't, wants to do something and you don't. He says it's working for you, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 
How can we go through? How do we go through these things? By keeping our eyes on him. Paul says it like this. While we do not look at the things which are seen. You've been looking at things that are seen. Don't tell me you haven't. You've been looking. You may, you may not. You may do it less than you did it before, but we're still looking at the things that are seen. And, and one of the reasons that we are not everything that we should be as the church of Jesus Christ is because we are looking at things that are seen. We're explaining spiritual things by what we see rather than explaining what we see by the spiritual. I, I can tell you about this world. Why? Because my eyes are on the Lord. The psalmist said, my eyes are ever toward the Lord. Really, David? Yeah. They're always toward the Lord. That's what the psalmist is saying. My eyes are always toward the Lord. Are your eyes toward the Lord? Or you think the Lord might come before you get to do certain things? So, Paul says, Paul is so amazing. He says, we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. So, are you going to trade the eternal for something temporary? Paul says this is a moment compared to eternity. You know, like 1001, it's over. Compared to forever? Are you still with me? Listen, I love it. Hope beyond the temporal. You may not get everything in this life that you desire. And don't say you don't get everything you deserve. I'm getting better than I deserve. <laughs> so... But uh, you don't deserve that. Oh, just be quiet. You're not helping me. As we say around the, around the office, you're not helping me. You're not helping me. We do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Light affliction. Men condemned to death. Light affliction. Men a spectacle of the world. Light affliction. Well, Paul says so. Our light affliction is working for us. Now, then he says in Colossians, he says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait, eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus. So Paul says emphatically, our citizenship is in heaven. So I'm looking to my, citizen, my heavenly citizenship. Don't ever think for a moment that I don't value being an American. Don't you ever think for a moment. But I have a greater citizenship. I got, I got a good amen over here. I'm going to preach over here. Uh, I'll be back after station identification. I value. And the way you get through these, this life is because you are looking at the things that you cannot see with the naked eye. You believe the word of God. You trust the spirit of God. That's what that's about. That's how you get through. That's how you get through the quagmire and, and all of the contradictions of the world. You, you, you look at this person, and they're telling you reason why you should not. And you look at this person, they're telling you why you should. No, I'm looking to Jesus. That's what God wants from us. We say we're the salt of the earth, and we are. We say we're the light of the world, and we are. But let's, let's depict that in our present conduct. I'm, I'm going to preach back over here. <laughs> Our citizenship is in heaven. 
don't, don't buy into the, the argument, well, well we, we, we owe it to, we've got to, don't buy into that argument. This is what I do. You and I are, 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 are operating out of overflow. If you are trying to satisfy the world system, no matter where you are in the world, all the world is, is going to hell. It's just it's breaking up so terribly, horribly. If you had told me 30 years ago that we would be here, I would, wouldn't have believed it. If you told me 20, 20 to 25, I would say yes, because the Holy Spirit has revealed that to me. The, the world is a crazy place. You and I are supposed to be the sanity. We're, the, the world is dark. We're supposed to be the, and are the light. But you can't be the light just because you've got words that say, oh, I'm the light of the world. No, you have to have conduct. You have to have holy conduct. And you should see more than the world. It's a painful, it's painful for me when I see believers going to the world for answers that are spiritual. We go to the world for answers that we're supposed to give the world. You know why, though, we have the ability? Because we see beyond natural sight. L listen, um, as I draw to a close, I'm drawing to the close for all of you anxious people. I'm not at the close. I'm drawing. <laughs> in Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 17, Jesus is speaking. He says, because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Now, now he goes on. What I'm saying is that those of us who live in the Western world are deceived by what we see. What you see should be informed by what the natural eye cannot see. There is hope beyond. I can now visualize Jesus, and I often do, seated at the right hand of the Father. I visualize him seated there. Jesus is seated. Jesus went through what no human has ever gone through, and he was raised to the right hand of the Father. I see him there in my spiritual eye. And so I keep going. And let me just say this, and then we're going to go. I'm going to take a few more of your minutes. He says to them, you don't know, and in the Western world, we don't know that this affluence that we have enjoyed is not, it is a blessing, but it's not your greatest blessing. We have been captivated by it. We have even been deceived by it. And I am in no way preaching blessed poverty. But don't be deceived by it. It is a blessing. But let me show you what he says. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. That you may be rich. Now, they have already thought they're rich. He said, uh-uh. There's, uh, there's another wealth that you don't see. That you may truly be rich. And white garments. That you may be clothed. So he is talking about being rich in God. And having the righteousness of God. And he is, as it were, juxtaposing it to being wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. He says here, okay, you can be really rich, but in God, through Christ. White garments, righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That you may be clothed and that your shame 
and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. So what he's saying is that, is that when you're wearing righteousness, nobody can pull your righteousness off. They can pull your natural clothing off, and you'll be exposed. They can never expose you. Why? Because you're covered with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's what we must see. He says, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see or that you may truly see. Because they're saying that, that they are rich, they become wealthy, they have need of nothing. Jesus says, you are blind. Because if you, if you see that what this world has to offer and you don't see how it's not even one scintilla of what God offers through Jesus Christ and compared to eternity, it's actually rubbish. And it perverts your eyes and it perverts your judgment when you're so focused. But he says, no, you need some eye salve. And this morning you got some eye salve here. This is some eye salve for us. You need eye salve because you're really blind, Jesus is saying, when you don't see the eternal, when you're so blinded by the temporal, wow, that you may see. And he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Now listen what he says, and I'm going to sort of somewhat close here. To him who overcomes, verse 21, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. Now listen what Jesus says. As I also overcame and sat with my father on his throne. And Jesus is showing us how to do it. Jesus always prayed. He always spent time with his, his father. After great miracles of feeding the 5,000 men, not counting women and children, he went up in the mountain and prayed, talked to his dad. I mean, it seemed like to me, hey, dad, he didn't go up there, dad, you see what I did? But he went to talk to his dad. There were times the disciples were looking for him. Hey, man, Jesus is gone. He woke up, went out, Jesus, where are you, Jesus? He's out there praying, talking to his dad. Why? That's how he saw that's how he kept going. He suffered like no other man suffered. But he says, you know what? I kept my eyes on the one who is invisible. And I over, that's how I overcame. You and I don't overcome by trying to overcome, as it were, but keeping your eyes on the Lord. You ever see somebody walking the, the tightrope? Tight, tight what do they do? They, they don't do this. They just keep looking. Looking at the post where they're going. That's how they do it. But you and I, when we look at all these worldly things, all of the things we call success, that the Lord says you're, you're, you're wretched, you're miserable, you're blind. When we do that, that's what we're doing. Jesus says, no, I want you to take your eyes off these things and look at me. This is what the church needs to do. Because, yes, we are the light of the world. We, we, we are the salt of the earth. We are the city on a hill. But, but let's, let's be that in action. Amen. Let's not be that just in words. Let's do what Jesus wants. And then he says, when you do what I do, did, do it like I did it, and I'm going to invite you up to sit on my throne like my dad invited me up to sit on his. That's an amazing invitation. There's hope beyond this. Don't fight over these local lots. I refuse to do it. He said through Peter, when he talked about buy from me gold,
Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 7, he says, the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is what God wants from you. And I want you to give it to him. Can you, will you give it to him? Give him everything he wants. And then we'll truly see what this world is about. We'll truly see our place. Our place should never be told us or dictated to us by those who inhabit the world's sphere. Should never. We have the eyes to see. We have the heart to receive. We have the mind of Christ. Let's be the church Jesus died for. I'll be back in a minute.